say it's back but we're back um off-season primer edition just a short little episode to kind of recap some of the stuff we went through last week and and just get everybody prepared for these next couple of weeks with with all the different stuff happening from pro days to combine to you know free agency tampering in a couple of weeks so we figured we would just do a little comprehensive update and that is why we decided we're going to record today alec how are you doing this just fantastic Thursday afternoon. It's very, it's well, it's always gloomy in Columbus, but it's gloomy down here in Cincinnati too. So in the Mecca, in the Mecca, in the Mecca. <laughs> so uh, speaking of the Mecca, a whole bunch of news um, to catch up on. I don't know where we want to start, but we kind of mentioned this last week, but Joe Burrow uh, sprained MCL in the Super Bowl. Looks like it's just a little bit of off season rehab till he comes back. Not a particularly, um, surprising given what we saw at the end of the Super Bowl with that play but nonetheless not the best news um going into the offseason with the quarterback injured again um couple of minor signings Trent Taylor is signed to the offseason roster um you know I think punt returner next year would we both agree on that it's probably going to be him yeah it'll probably be him he did a really good job at the end of last year he's like he's like if anybody uh, listening remembers Alex Erickson, uh, he's basically the new Alex Erickson. He just guy returns punts. Can I mean he had that two point conversion too against the Chiefs, so he can he can catch the ball, but mainly yeah. just a punter. Yeah, um, really like what he brings to the table as punt returner, um, and that's essentially it as far as news related stuff on that note goes. Um, you know they've signed a bunch of guys to the uh, reserve roster. Drew Chrisman. Uh, potential competition at, at punter in camp. But the main story encircling the Bengals uh, kingdom right now is um, the Jesse Bates extension. So the window opened, I think it was Tuesday, the window opened for teams to use the franchise tag uh, on players that were able to, that were eligible to get the tag and players that were about to hit free agency. Jesse Bates is one of those players. You know, we saw we saw at the beginning of last training camp that the Bengals and Jesse Bates had sort of started to discuss the framework of an extension, but now the pressure kind of pops up again because you don't want that high cap hit again this year from a franchise tag. So, with all of that background given to me, I ask you, how likely do you think it is that the Bengals and Jesse Bates reach an extension before the start of next season? And secondly, is re-signing Jesse Bates a higher priority right now than 
um, evaluating and attacking the O-line? So I think, well, to answer that question first, I think both are very important. But the difference is, is Jesse Bates is guaranteed to be a Bengal next year because of the franchise tag. So the franchise tag for safeties, I believe, is a little over $13 million. Um, and rumors have it that uh, – this is according to Twitter, so we have no idea. Uh, Jesse Bates is looking for five years, 70 mil, which is 14 mil a year, uh, AAV, which is average annual value. That's what AAV, AAV means, if you ever see that. Um, and so really, the way they could work this is if they signed a long-term deal now – they could push the money down to year four and five. So that annual salary or that annual cap hit is more than um, with less guaranteed money. But the thing about the franchise tag is, is I'm not really nervous about that because it's, it's only 13 mil. It's not like they're tagging a tackle, which would be, you know, 18, 19 mil or a quarterback, which is 30 mil. 13 mil is really not that bad for a franchise tag for Jesse Bates. But I think for the morale of the team, um, you know, you got to sign him to a contract this offseason because you're playing with fire. If he balls out next season, he's going to be asking for 18 mil a year. So, you know, you might want to take it now, give pay him the 14, 14.5 mil AAV um, and, and just get it done. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point there. I, the only reason that I'm kind of opposed to the franchise tag, and I'm sure Jesse Bates would not want to play on the franchise tag, for a different reason, but the, the financial reason for me not liking the franchise tag is if you tag him, you have to pay all that $13 million in a singular cap hit next season. And, you know, in the NFL, $3 million is kind of inconsequential. But for a team like the Bengals, the difference between, you know, like you said, if he gets five for 70 and it's a $14 million a year uh, average value, then they can take maybe a nine or $10 million hit next year instead of 13, uh, yeah. 13 and a half that they would take on the tag. So, you know, for that reason, I am not entirely sold on franchise tagging him. I think we're both in agreement that we both think it's eventually probably going to come to him playing on the tag um, this year, which, you know, for him is not good because you know, hopefully he does have another great season next year. And if he does, he is going to reset the safety market and the Bengals will not be able to pay him at that point, just because of what's coming down the pipe with a burrow extension potentially after next off season. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I think they should try to pay him now because you pay him now. Um, and then you kind of have an idea of what your cap hits are going to look like the next couple of years, because in two years, T Higgins is going to be up. Um, you're going to have to re-sign Tyler Boyd, you know, Joe Mixon two, three years down the road. So, and, you know, we've talked about this before. The Bengals window is in the next two, three years. So if you could get Jesse Bates on a lower AAV than 14 mil for the next two years, I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Well, you and me both, we don't know why they wouldn't do that. But, you know, in the context of the offseason, I think that, re-signing Jesse Bates ranks as the, as the number one priority for the Bengals because, you know, whether we agree or disagree with them, they think that they can fix this O-line however they want to fix it, whether that be signing value guys in free agency or drafting a guy at 31. They think they can fix it that way. And so knowing that about this team, 
makes me just think, get Bates done, get him happy, re-sign him, and then just go from there and build build that O-line and have that be just the utterly sole focus of this offseason um, after, after re-signing Bates. Yeah, so I know we're not going to dive deep, deep into the uh... – you know, off-season talk because really, at this point, it's all speculation. We have no idea. It's not. It's not close enough for the tampering of the of free agency to really know what's going on. But I don't know. I, I kind of want to talk about this a little bit. Would you rather go veteran approach to the O line? I know we talked about a little last week, but I kind of want to dive into it a little more. Veteran approach with the O line, get that shirt up, and then best player available, or or would you rather go? you know, sign a, you know, one guy or two guys and then try to draft a tackle or, or something like that with 31? Um, you know, I think we've seen, and we talked about this a little bit last week, we've seen that the Bengals suck yeah. at drafting O-linemen. Like, let's face it, they suck at it. And so if you can get proven guys in this building, and let's let's face it, I mean, if they bring back Riley Reef, which I think is is – a fine solution at right tackle for another year. Um, you know, this is an elite tackle class. Let's, uh, let's just, you know, preface the, our draft discussion that is to come in the next month. This is an elite tackle class. We could see six or seven tackles taken in the first round. The issue is you're picking at 31. And so you're not going to get one of the guys that you really have faith in putting in right away and, and having faith in him succeeding. You know, the guy that, you know, in any of these PFF mock drafts that's sitting there at 31 for the Bengals is Bernhard Raymond from um, Central Michigan, who is brand new pretty much to football and plugging him in to protect your quarterback just doesn't seem like something I would recommend or a lot of people around the league would recommend. Um, so I, I'm in favor of the veteran approach. You know, the Bengals, I don't think have ever paid big money for a guard. So I don't expect that to happen. And if I had to make a bold prediction for the offseason right now, I would say we're more likely to see Trey Hopkins starting at guard next year than we are to see a guy that they pay over eight or nine million dollars starting at guard next year. Yeah. I. So, you know, I. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be a tap there. If they spend big money, it's going to be at center. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, they love Trey Hopkins. And we have both had our ups and downs with Trey Hopkins. We, I think, both think he's an average O lineman. Um, I think you could see something where they maybe cut Trey Hopkins and then bring him back on a cheaper deal or ask him to take a pay cut, what have you. But there are two centers out there in that free agency market that Ryan Jensen and Ben Jones that if they got either of those guys, Bengals fans should be jumping over the moon about signing either of them. Yeah, I think Ryan Jensen's a really big play. Uh, PFF came out with their, you know, free agency predictions, and they had Ryan Jensen go to the Bengals. I think it's great, though, that Joe Burrow had this, like, breakout second half of the season because now Ryan Jensen would want to come and play in Cincinnati because we've never – now the Bengals never spent money at guard – because none of the big guards have ever really truly wanted to come um, except kind of Joe Tooney, but Joe Tooney got, I, I wouldn't have paid that much for Joe Tooney last year where, when he went to the chiefs. So. And I think looking back on it, we can agree that, you know, not handcuffing themselves to somebody like Joe Tooney for the next five years 
with that kind of salary, I think we're going to look back in a couple of years and be like, you know, that was probably a smart move. I think the move that irritated me more last offseason in not fixing the O-line was the low ball offer that they apparently gave Kevin Zeitler, which he would have been perfect at right or left guard in that O-line last year. Yeah, a one or two year deal. Uh, they had the cap for it. They still have the cap for it. Yeah, that that sucked. But, you know, we could do hindsight 2020 all day. We've talked about this before. Creed Humphrey, second team all pro center. They passed on him twice. You know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, this offseason, I really look for them to try to sign either. You're right. Ryan Jensen or Ben Jones. Uh, sure. If that center position, they already have one more decent starter. Uh, and Jonah Williams. And then I, I do believe that they'll try to shirt up in free agency with veteran guys. I think that this, so this is getting way ahead of ourselves, but I've kind of been thinking about this. I think there's six names that I look at on the line because I do think they're going to bring reef back at right tackle. I think that that's um, a good solution. And if they bring him back, I think then you could see them draft a guy, a developmental guy like, Bernhard Raman in the at the end of the first round and be like, you just sit behind Reef for a year, learn a little bit. You know, you've also got Deontay Smith and Jackson Carmen, who the Bengals are not giving up on, but definitely are not ready to start. Um, so just keeping those developmental options open would be really, really savvy on the Bengals' behalf. And then, you know, so what I was saying, the six names that I think I would look at as guys on the O-line that could um, really help out uh, immediately up front would be James Daniels, Ted Karras, and Austin Corbett at the guards. And then in, at center, like we just said, Ben Jones and Ryan Jensen. Those six guys, I think, are, are, are six of the guys that I look at and say, if the Bengals get two of them, I think you feel really confident about how this O-line is looking going into um, the draft and going into next season. Yeah, so my main guy that I would love the Bengals to get for the right guard would be James Daniels. He's 24 years old. Mauler. Uh, Mauler. Um, 24 years old, and he could be – you know, the reason I like – because the Bengals' core is young, right? So – Very young. You know, another – yeah, it's just he's 31, 32. If you bring in James Daniels on a, you could sign him to a four year deal. And then by the time, by the time it's over, he's 28. He's still only 28. So I like that. Um, do you know how old Ryan Jensen is? I think he's 31. Let me give a quick Google search here. If they signed him, do you think it'd be a two or three year deal? Probably three. He's 30. He's 30. Three year okay. deal. 30, three year deal. 39 mil. Yeah. I, I think that'd be great. And I also let's nip this in the butt, like, you know, just straight off the bat. Um, let's not get anybody that's listening to this hope Teron Armstead from not the Saints done. will not be a Bengal. He is not going to be a Cincinnati Bengal. He will be a probably Miami Dolphin. Um, also, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing. And since we're not going to have a show for maybe a couple of weeks, if the Bengals are going to be, you know, because the cap casualties are coming um, as we it's see what. Oh, they're coming. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if the Bengals can try to scoop up somebody that somebody cuts. Or uh, we talked about this a little last week, how they're anti-trade. Um, but if they could maybe trade that pick 31 like the Chiefs did, you know, for a tackle 
or, you know, a guard or something like that. Yeah. So put a pin in that trade thing. Cause we'll talk about that more at the end. Cause that's yeah. related to the trivia question I got for you today, but I agree with you teams. We've seen this now three or four years in a row teams that are willing to trade picks for established veteran guys on a two or three year rental. Those are the teams that make it far in the playoffs. And those are the teams that win in the playoffs. You had the Rams this year trading picks to get Stafford and Von Miller and OBJ. Well, they signed OBJ. And then you had the Chiefs who were in the AFC Championship this year, like you said, traded uh, picks for Orlando Brown. And, and there's examples like that going back several years. The Patriots are notorious for that. Trent Brown. Um, you know, this might be the year that the Bengals finally start to look and say, okay, are we going to use this 31st pick on a guy who's probably not going to play if they spend it on an O-lineman, who's probably not going to play this year, or do we want to use this 31st pick and maybe salary dump of Trey Waynes or Trey Hopkins and give them to the Texans for Laramie Tunsil or give them to the Saints for Ryan Ramchek, who they can't afford. So there is a bunch of options floating out there. Makai Becton, another name that's been – floated. I, I don't think that has a whole lot of traction because I don't think the Jets would give up on him, but there are options out there for the Bengals to use their picks, which they have extra this year. Remember they got that extra fourth rounder this year to use these picks to manipulate some, you know, um, players and, and get some starters on the O-line. Yeah. And, and let's, and let's not, let's not forget this. The Bengals say the Bengals trade their pick 31 away for a Lermy or you know, Lermy Tunsil or something like that. The Bengals are notorious for drafting really well in rounds two through, I mean, you could even say two through seven. I mean, they draft really well in the middle rounds. Um, and they they have for, probably since 2012, 2011, uh, since they made those playoff runs in the 2010s. So they draft really well. Um, and the, the only thing they don't draft well, it, we've said it earlier, is O-line. They draft everything else relatively well except O-line. So if you can't – if your scouting department of like two and a half people, since the average age of them is like 87, um, there's five people, but the average age is like 90. So you got to, you know, subtract like two and a half. Um, they uh, th- then trade the pick because you're not going to be able to – if you're not going to be able to, you know – narrow somebody down coming out of college than trade for a veteran who's already showed that the NFL. It's not, it's not that make somebody else make a good choice in the draft. Don't make yourself make a good choice. Yeah. 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 Especially sitting at 31, you don't know who's going to fall to you. Who's going to be there. Um, you know, we've, I think we've kind of enjoyed the luxury of the Bengals picking in the top recently where we're like, it's probably going to be one of these two guys, you know, last year was Chase or Sewell. A couple of years ago it was Jonah Williams or Devin Bush. Um, there was years where we could just pin down. It's going to be one of these two guys this year. It's wide open. You know, you got mock drafts saying that Tyler Linderbaum could be there for the Bengals at 31, which I'm not sure is entirely, um, plausible, but I digress. Um, I think the only other position in need that you can see the Bengals bring in an outside free agent and give me your thoughts on this is another cornerback. You know, we've seen Mike Hilton already getting happy Twitter fingers, recruiting guys like J.C. Jackson um, to come to the Bengals. Is there any, 
you know, particular type of guy you're looking for if they do bring in an outside cornerback to, or if they wait until the draft to address it, what sort of guy at 31 kind of kicks your tickles your fancy? So another really good cornerback draft, I think. Um, really good. Really, yeah, good. really. Um, so, you know, JC Jackson will not be a Bengal. No, nope. they don't. Have, they, they, they just can't fit that in the cap. They just can't do it. He's going to want $18 million a year. Um, it's not a big enough need to pay $18 million a year. And as, you know, as much as people have been hating on Eli Apple, I'd rather have Eli Apple for 800 K or, you know, whatever the problem is than JC Jackson for 18 mil. Because if you pay JC Jackson, 18 mil a couple years down the road, you, pr- you might not be able to pay T Higgins or, I'd have to cut Joe Mixon because the cap hit so big for him in a couple of years. It's like about, I think it's 12.5 or something in a couple of years. Yeah. So, you know, JC Jackson, I don't want to see him be a Bengal. No offense, Mike Hilton. Uh, it just doesn't work under the cap. And now would their defense be a God squad? Yes, it would be. It would be great, but there's repercussions down the road um, for a Bengals dynasty. If you'd sign JC Jackson over, you know, a tackle or Ryan Jensen. Um, so, and then at pick 31, it's weird. I I know you've been doing a lot of mock drafts. I'm sure a lot of people that are listening have been doing a lot of mock drafts. The Bengals pick at 31 is weird because there's all that top talent in the draft. And then you get to 31 and it kind of falls off with the PFF mock draft, um, system. So I've seen a lot of stuff where, you know, one of those linebackers will fall, you know, Nicobe Dean or, or, or Devin Lloyd, right? The Bengals could draft them. But I just don't see that happening. I don't see them falling. Now, could somebody fall to the Bengals secondary-wise at 31? Yes. Um, but we don't know that. So that, that, that goes back into my point where if you can trade that pick for a veteran tackle or guard, do, just do it. Yeah. This is a very strong cornerback draft. You know, you could see four or five corners taken in the first round. Sauce Gardner was – the apple of my eye for a long time. Um, I think it's pretty clear now he is not going to be anywhere near pick 31. Um, In fact, he might be the first cornerback taken this year in the draft. Um, You know, I think the one thing that became evident as the season went on was that the Bengals were lacking a corner with Trey Wayne's like measurables that could actually play football. Um, and so when, when I look at, you know, the, the available free agents, I think a guy like Steven Nelson from the Eagles could make sense. Um, Dante Jackson from the Panthers, Charvarius Ward from the, uh, Chiefs, Casey Hayward from the Chargers would also be a guy that I think could get some shine or did he play for the Raiders last year? Raiders, Raiders last year. And, you know, he's an older guy, so maybe he takes a one- or two-year deal and, and, you know, you kick the can down the road on doing the notorious Bengals thing, which is picking a first-round cornerback. So I think any any number of those kind of mid-level corner guys could definitely end up as Bengals, but J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore, and Carlton Davis are not even going to think about signing with the Bengals because the Bengals won't think about signing them. No, because – those guys want paydays. Yep. The Bengals aren't look. The Bengals see here. Here's the, here's another thing with the Bengals. They signed uh, Cheeto last year for a bargain. 
they signed Mike Hilton for a bargain. They feel now that if they, they can get a guy in a bargain and, you know, for a cornerback, they don't have to overpay for a corner because they're, the Bengals are really good. They have been the last two off seasons at evaluating NFL talent um, and bringing in NFL talent. That's proven. That's why I think that they need to be targeting NFL players, um, you know, while still filling holes in the draft, but you know, I trust them in free agency. I really, really do trust their judgment in free agency now. And I really believe that they can bring in a second corner, you know, uh, that is more serviceable than Eli Apple. I, 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 I do believe that while, you know, still bolstering the O-line. Yeah. You know, Trent McDuffie and Roger McCreary are two guys, names that I'll yeah. throw out there. End of the first round could definitely be um, on the Bengals uh, board at that point in the draft. Um. You know, outside of those two position, well, I mean, the O-line in general, but O-line and cornerback, um, we kind of touched on this last week, maybe another tight end, but that's definitely a draft uh, need because this year's tight end crop, you know, this draft is really good this year at everything except quarterback, it seems. So, and, and, you know, and that works out well for the Bengals because we don't need a quarterback. Very well. If somebody wants to – trade up at 31 and, and snag one of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You take as many picks as possible because uh, we, you know, we've seen the last three years, Bengals have been great. Bengals have hit on almost every draft pick except Jackson Carmen. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with pick 31. And it also be interesting to see because I think it'll happen well before the draft. Yeah. Because teams are going to have to spend in free agency. They're going to want people off their books. So um, we'll have to look into before next episode when Orlando Brown got traded last year. Um, do you want to look that up right now? I got you. Okay. Because that, that, that'll determine, you know, you know, I'll give you kind of a time frame. I feel like it was a little later. It was April 26th. Okay. So, okay, so that, was right, that was right before the draft. Yeah. When, what were the dates of the draft? Yeah, it was three days before the draft. Yeah, that makes sense, though, because he wanted that big money and the Ravens didn't want to pay him. So yeah, he wanted to play left tackle, which another name that if Bengals fans are even fancying Orlando Brown playing for the Bengals, that ain't going to happen because no, the, the Chiefs the, the are either going to franchise tag him or yeah. he's going to demand top market left tackle money. I mean, the guy is what, 23? Five. 25. 25. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, let, Let's be honest. It, he's not worth that much money. You know, you know, he's a good player, but you're right. He is not worth, you know, Andrew Whitworth type money. It's when a, he left the he's not worth – Teron Armstead is not worth the money he's going to get paid either. No. You know, the free agent from the same. I think that you look at Lakin Tomlinson, Austin Corbett coming over from the Rams scheme would be chef's kiffs perfect if the Bengals wanted to slide him in at right guard. He would be my ideal answer because he's going to be cheap enough that they could pair him with a center um, and then have a camp competition at left guard with Reef at right tackle. Regardless, there are a ton of options that they can use. The only thing that I ask is that they at least have no or, or um, they don't keep three or more of the same starters from last year. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, Spain, I mean, most likely 
Spain will be the one most likely to keep his starting job. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at likelihoods, I would say it's likely that they bring Reef back. I'd say it's likely that they bring Spain back. And I, I'm going to kick boot on Trey Hopkins because I don't know if they're going to want to bring him back at that number, at that position with the options that are out there. Um, we'll see. It, it, it's a very, very fluid situation along that O-line for the Bengals. Yeah. Um, the thing is, if you fall in on one of those centers, you have to get one of those centers. Yeah. Ted Karras, Ben Jones, Ryan Jensen, get one of those three guys because they are going to be the ones that solve the problem up front. Um, you know, Ryan Jensen is just a damn solid player in the middle um, of any O-line. So um, I think that's kind of good for an off-season primer. You know, we didn't want to get too much in the weeds. I think we got a little more in the weeds than we expected to get. Um but regardless, tampering begins in a couple of weeks. So we'll be much more involved then once the Bengals start negotiating. And, you know, we'll be on social media should the Bengals engage Jesse Bates and sign an extension. I think it's his birthday this weekend. So I think maybe they might be holding the news um, for that. Um, yeah, it's his birthday Saturday. So maybe – Maybe we can announcement on Saturday about Jesse Bates signing a new deal with the Bengals. Is he uh, turning 25? I don't know, but I remember that he's really young. I, I pulled it up right here. I just pulled up his Wikipedia. He's turning yeah. 25. Yeah, he's younger than Joe Burrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah it, 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 it's crazy how young he's going to do his year. Yeah, it's, it, that is – Indeed, crazy. Um, so, yeah, with all that being said, um, kick it to a quick trivia question and then get on out of here enjoy the weekend um, and all that. So, today's trivia question. Can you tell me how many times in their history have the Bengals traded their first-round pick and not ended up picking in the first round? So this doesn't include trades where they maybe moved down a couple spots in the first round but still picked like they did with Cordy Glenn and Billy Price. This is strictly that they traded their first-round pick and they either got picks outside of the first round for it or they traded it for a player and didn't end up selecting a player in the first round. So how many times in Bengals history have they not selected in the first round because of a trade? Uh, I'm going to go one. Ding, ding, ding. Very well done. It was 1989, um, the year after the Bengals – or the draft, a couple months after the Bengals went to their second Super Bowl, and the Bengals traded to the Falcons their first-round pick, and they received a second, a fourth, and a tenth-round pick from the Falcons uh, that year. So not a whole lot of precedent for the Bengals trading – completely out um, of the first round. But you know what? If there's one thing that this year's Bengals proved, it's that precedent be damned um, in pursuit of, of higher goals. So with that, I think that's all we got. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And ne next time we, you know, we talk to everybody, a lot is going to be changed. A lot. Hopefully, hopefully 
we're starting to see a semblance of a solution the next time we talk um, to everybody. So with that, I think that's enough. Um, yeah. We'll end it with a solid who day. Who day.